We are live on the internet right now. How you doing, Scott? Good. Good to see Eric. Awesome. So I'm going to read this real quick. I'm here with Scott Wolfson, who has more than 20 years of experience with national media relations and executive communications with a specialty in public health and product safety. He served as a communications director and senior advisor to multiple chairmen at the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. When he was at the CPSC, Scott oversaw the creation of the award-winning Pool Safely and Anchorage campaigns, and he now serves as the director of media relations at a communications and consulting firm in D.C. He works closely with the National Institutes of Health and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Does that cover it? It does. Yep. Yeah, that's my life story over the past 25 years. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, tell me, you know, from the be you know, literally from the beginning, you know, what was the path that led you from, you know, Scott Wolfson, the the embryo, to uh, Scott Wolfson, the the world American hero that you are today? You know, it really starts with Marsha Kerr. Um, okay. Mean not everybody knows. I think most of the folks in the NDPA world. <laughs> so, so you, you want to know a funny story? Um, Marsha and her husband Bill, right, at the time, uh, were our first ever lifesaver dealers. Wow, that's so, awesome. So we started in business in 1987, and we were local to Florida, and we, you know, we manufactured pool fence, and my dad installed it himself. Uh, but he quickly figured out that he wanted to sell to dealers. And he sold to them locally first, and then they moved to California. California. And they became our first ever lifesaver pool fence of California, and we shipped to them. And yeah, they were our first dealer ever for for a long, long time. And That's um, and then I know eventually, um, you know, you you'll probably know the story better than me, but you know, Marsha moved on to the CPSC, and you know, but yeah, so I have a, I have a very long history with the Kurds and Marsha. I still keep in touch with her. Um, actually, I met her again. I, I re-met her, we'll say, um, mm -hmm. at an NDPA conference, and it was really cool. But So your story starts with Marsha? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I came to the agency in 2000, and to be able to spend time with Marsha and learn from her how these tragedies happen, and here's a shining example of somebody who turned tragedy into advocacy, but in a different way in that she joined the CPSC, you know, with part of the NDPA movement in the very early stages, and helped me understand that, that world. And then from there, um, I met Nadina Rigsby, um, very powerful moment to meet Nadina, founder of the Drowning Prevention Foundation in California, of course, lost one child, has had a lifetime of, of care for another child um, who nearly fatally drowned. Um, and there, from there, you know, really moved into a space, fast forward to 2007, where my friend, Alan Korn, who is just a hero in this community. Yeah, for sure. And let me know that his work with the Safe Kids Worldwide organization was bringing him closer and closer to potential legislation to address not only the horrific issue of drain entrapment, but also trying to look at the issue of drowning as well. So before, you, before you get further there, because um, I, I want to talk about, a lot about that, um, how did you end up at the CPSC? You know, I... You know, not many kids wake up and they're like, I want to be at the CPSC when I grow up. You know, how, how did you end up at the Consumer Product Safety Commission in the first place? What, you know, got you there? Sure. So I had worked at the Justice Department many years ago. Okay. Um, tremendous agency, but I was looking to do some more proactive media work. Mm -hmm. Happened to turn on the Today Show and saw an amazing chairman from many years ago named Ann Brown. 
Mm-hmm. And Ann Brown was a staple on the Today Show and doing amazing work in the area of product safety. So I, I saw her on TV, turned on the TV again a month later, and there was Ann Brown again making another powerful appearance. And sure enough, a, a couple months later, a position opened up at the agency. And I'm very thankful to those who hired me because uh, it was a tremendous journey from the agency from 2000 to 2017. Um, but it's a little agency, but an incredible mission, incredible people who tend to stay there for a very long time because they become passionate for the work. So when you got out of college, what did you plan on doing? You know, I was uh, in the public administration program at American University. So I did have a passion for government service, for government leadership. Uh, A lot of my classmates went into the private sector to go make some money. They were, you know, Smart to kind of make that move early on, but I wanted to use that degree for uh, kind of a, a better cause and uh, do some public service as I had been trained to do. And I mean, does this great effect? Your career has been, I mean, phenomenal. You know, we, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you fully appreciate uh, how much the folks at the NDPA and in the water safety community appreciate, you know, the work you've done over the last, you know, the, for the 17 years that you were at the CPSC. Um, when I told Bob Pratt that you were coming on, um, it was like I told him that the Pope and Tom Cruise were both coming on the show at the same time. It was, and the president just- That exaggeration, Eric. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even kidding. Um, he's like, do you have any idea who that is? I'm like, yeah, I do. Um, no, he, he was he was floored and I think anybody would be. Um, so no, the work you've done is phenomenal. And you know, unfortunately there isn't a giant spotlight on water safety like there should be. Um, so, you know, your, uh, you know, your heroism might be limited to just our sector, but you know, within it, it's, uh, it's certainly appreciated. So, so, so 2007, Alan Corrin starts talking to you about the law. Exactly. The legislation that he had, had in mind about drain entrapment and water safety yeah. in general. And then what happened was, um, Alan introduced me to, you know, the person that became an inspiration for, for much of my life thereafter and for much of my work. And that is Nancy Baker. Um, I saw Nancy Baker speak um, early on in the development of the VGB Act, and it just it gave new purpose and meaning for what I needed to do with my life at at CPSC. And then I went to see her again, and it continued to kind of reinforce uh, where I wanted to be within the agency. Um, And I was as disheartened as, as Alan and Nancy and many others were. When the first go around with introducing the VGB Act did not pass, they came so close. Now, but uh, and Nancy stuck with it and clearly represented Wasserman Schultz as the lead sponsor, stuck with it and got it passed in 07. For, for people who don't know, can you, uh, do you feel comfortable sharing Nancy Baker's story? Yeah, absolutely. You know, beautiful uh, daughter, Graham Baker. Um, they were in a backyard spa and having a, a wonderful uh, party in, in their backyard. Um, you know, great people there, family, friends. Um, and, and Nancy has a beautiful family. And Graham went under the spa and became entrapped on that drain cover. Two grown men went under to try to pull her off, uh, were unable to, and, and really took uh, a tremendous amount of force to actually dislodge the entire cover off of its outlet to be able to to extricate 
uh, Graham, but she was under the water uh, for far too long and tragically passed away. Uh, a horrific moment. There have clearly been other horrifying moments for far too many other families as well. Um, but Nancy, you know, she, she's an incredible force in nature. She's an incredible human being and works so closely, like I said, with Safe Kids Worldwide for their advocacy. And then with people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Amy Klobuchar, so many sponsors of that legislation. And um, thank goodness that that law passed because, you know, one of the proudest moments of my life was leaving the agency, knowing that from the moment that that law became the law of the land, which was December of 2008, not a single child in this country has been entrapped and died in a public pool or spa. Yeah, I mean, arguably one of the most effective public health laws ever created. Yeah. Absolutely. And it clearly has had positive effects as well, which we can talk about in the area of fatal and non-fatal drownings, too. And um, just just to be clear, so Nancy's, um, her father was former Secretary Baker, correct? Father-in-law, that's right. Father-in-law, yeah. Um, and the uh, Virginia Graham Baker Act uh, applied to commercial pools, right? It does. Now, yeah. one of the things that, you know, that I did and, and others have continued to do um, in the community is be able to say, okay, it may not be the law that your backyard pool or spa have to have the safer uh, suction outlet covers. But look, you've got a service company coming to their to your house and out in their truck. They've got safer covers. Take right. advantage of it. It's only that the covers themselves in your backyard residential settings. They're not that expensive. It's the cost of labor. It's worth it. It's an investment in safety for your children for any other children coming to your house, even for adults. There have been incidents with adults as well, um, but we've really tried to encourage people to kind of go beyond a, a legal requirement and do what's right for the safety of your family. You know, and we've found that same thing is effective in pool fencing as well. You know, there are certain states that require a mesh pool safety fence, um, but the the ones that don't um, people seem to adopt them just as well. You know, you don't need a, a law necessarily to you know to get things done. You know. Um, so. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, they're coming through to clean. <laughs> so, you know, tell me about you know kind of the work you did to get the message out to the the residential sector. Um, you know, the pool safely campaign, how the pool safely campaign started and you know how that has impacted the community and, and what you thought about it. Sure, so once the law was passed, um, I actually pulled away from the public affairs, some of the public affairs work I was doing for the agency and became the project lead for implementing the law from both its requirements uh, for public pool and spa environment and then the creation as the VGB Act called for of a national awareness and safety campaign. Um, so we did some amazing things uh, of working with the pool industry because what we had um, at the time was a lack of appropriate sizes of drain covers. So, you know, there needed to be 18 by 24s out there and 18 by 18s and 36 by 36. And the YMCAs needed L-shaped drain covers. And there was just a lack of supply with high demand. So it was a different um, role for CPSC to play of implementing a law that got into market forces. 
So to be able to work with some phenomenal uh, manufacturing companies and to get a call, I remember, you know, a, a Saturday morning, um, my wife and I had, had just had our first child a few months earlier and, and we were both dog tired. Um, but I got a call early on Saturday morning. My wife said, get out of the house before you wake up our son. And it was a, a cover manufacturer calling from his plane to say that the first safe covers were rolling off the assembly line of the sizes that were needed to, to be out there into the marketplace. So it, it was a incredibly stressful and electric uh, time you know, to be able to kind of bring safety you know, into the pool safety community, um, knowing that they were going to also make sizes appropriate and safe for those residential settings. And then the creation of the, of the Pool Safely campaign in 2010, which is a remarkable job because you do have phenomenal organizations out there, and I'm sure we'll talk more about them. But you had the Red Cross with Connie Harvey, and you had the USA Swimming Foundation with the Make a Splash campaign with Debbie Hesse. And, and here's Pool Safely having the federal government play a larger role to help bring that community together and give it you know, another national platform. So I've always wondered the name Pool Safely. Uh, who came up? How did that come about? Yeah, I need to give credit to the, the great team you know, over at uh, Widmeyer Communications and specifically a gentleman who's not with them anymore. But Ben Finzel um, was was at the company at the time. And it, it was it's a call to action. Yeah, it, it is. People at times like I mean, pool safety. No, no, it's pool safely. It's a call right. to action because simple steps do save lives. Um, and it really has resonated greatly because, uh, you know, in, in the area of, of social marketing, it needs to be simple, needs to be memorable, and it's just been been great ever since. Yeah, you know, I think um, I know when it came out, there was some pushback that it was it was wrong, right? It wasn't pool safety, and right. um, I actually I, I argued in your defense that it was a, a verb, which I thought was brilliant. You know, I said no, Appreciate they took they, they took pool safety and they made it a verb. You know, they made it an action, um, made it That's something you you can do, um, which I always thought was cool, and I, I also. Like that, you were smart enough to get the poolsafety.gov domain name, though, just in case people messed it up. Exactly, um, because I know I directed people there a few times. Um, and the simple steps save lives too. You know, we've always um, preached literature protection, right? Um, right? Which I don't know if you know this. Um, this is some trivia going back to 1987. Um, mm. But my dad coined the phrase literature protection when it came to pool safety. That's amazing. Um, yeah, he was at a, a meeting with the CPSC and the Broward County Health Department, and everybody at the time was arguing over which solution was the best one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, trying to prevent you know um, swim instruction, um, alarms, lessons, pool fence, and instead of having them compete, his you know thought was that they're all good. And uh, he wrote a book in 1989 called "Summer Fun Year Round Danger," and that was the first time literature protection was in print. Um, and, and so that's my, my small piece of pool safety history um, is my connection to the literature protection terminology, uh, which is kind of cool. That's great. But the, the simple step save lives is a way to put that into action. You know, the same idea, um, which I always thought was great too. So, you know, in the time that you've been there, you know, how have you seen the messaging um, evolve? You know, one of the most profound changes that I've seen is in the area of, of barriers of fencing. I think there was a reluctance uh, many years ago, and, and it, it crossed different administrations, but there was a reluctance to actually talk about 
four-sided total fencing that encompasses the pool and not just rely on the outer fence and then you know the home as, as the fourth side and then we get into issues of door alarms and doggy doors and, and all those scenarios um, that we tragically know have how children have slipped out and gotten access to the water um, so there was always a promotion of a four-sided defense but the reality was in many cases we were saying okay we recognize that your home is that four side and then you know it really has evolved over the years and got to give credit to former CPSC chairman Ines Tenenbaum and very much so the former chairman and current commissioner Elliot Kay that really harped on totally surrounding that that pool deck with a fence four sided complete cover and Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz was always out there, but for for a long time she was kind of like a lone voice. And then you know CPSC was able to partner with her to really emphasize it, make sure in terms of public service announcements and other written materials that we were consistently putting that message out there as well. And, and I, I think you see that now resonating in tremendous ways. Um, if anybody does not follow him, you should follow Paul Demello on Facebook. Um, he is a true inspiration in my life and there's nothing uh, more than I, that I like than to like his Facebook post when he has installed a brand new fence around somebody's pool in Florida, you know, new homeowner or homeowner that just had a, a young child and now there's a little bit more peace of mind in that family's home because of the good work of, of Paul and his team. Yeah, you know, we call Paul our, our chief giving officer. Um, that's the, his official title at our company. We have a, a donation program where we donate fences to any family who's had a, a fatal or non-fatal drowning incident. And Paul is the guy in charge of contacting the family, setting it up, arranging it. And, you know, he installed our fences, obviously. And, you know, he, yeah, he's a phenomenal guy. And the work he does is incredible. He was sitting where you are, you know, digitally um, like a few days ago. And, yeah. And yeah, just an amazing dude. And, and the work he's done is, you know, breathtaking, especially given the fact that he, you know, had to, you know, come out from that tragedy in order to achieve it. Um, just just amazing what, what he's been able to do. Um, so, you know, when it comes to the, the legislation um, locally, we'll call it not just Florida, but other state laws, you know, California has done a great job um, recently. They passed their law, which I'm sure you're, you're familiar with. Um, where they need two um, layers of protection, you know, two simple steps. Um, and they have like seven choices, I think, and they can pick two. And, you know, other states have different laws. You know, what do you, what, where do you see the, the state laws going? Um, you know, or do you think it's going to head more like California? Is it going to be like more like Florida, who last year had, took a hit to the law? Um, kind of, I don't want to say under the cover of darkness, but the, the last minute, you know, a new... Um, option got tossed in and now you can use a floating pool alarm in Florida, which, you know, nobody in Florida and the water safety community was aware of until months of after it happened. Um, you know, there seems to be, you know, some different, you know, Florida's headed one way, California's headed another, you know, um, and it looks like most of these laws are going to be at a state level. I, I don't see us getting a federal law anytime soon. Um, maybe you do. I don't know. Um, so what do you, what do you think about the laws going forward? Yeah, I'm concerned that it's still going to be a hodgepodge of, of different, you know, different laws, um, some watered down, you know, some potentially rising to the level of California. As we know, unfortunately, 
It's often tragedy and the advocacy that happens thereafter that is the motivating force to capture the moment of attention for a state legislature. It, it doesn't happen just organically, um, unfortunately, but I, I saw your session a few days ago where you, you know, kind of went down the, the list of, of what's happened there in Florida. And it's very unfortunate. I remember being um, at a round table um, with Congressman Wasserman Schultz and other advocates in the state, um, very concerned about, you know, what was happening with enforcement of the law to be able to detect that in certain condominium complexes and hotel and motel environments, um, you know, the fences, the, the gates were, were wearing down over time. They were not self-latching, self-locking, and children were, were still gaining access to the water when there needed to, to be that you know, barrier um, in place to follow the law. So, you know, I'm, I'm concerned because, you know, you get Florida and California and Texas and Arizona. Those are your big four states in terms of drowning every year. And, you know, great if there's some momentum coming out of California. But I agree with you wholeheartedly that there's been some setbacks um, in, in your state in your state. And, you know, that could lead to some tragedies. Um, and that's unfortunate if that's what it takes to draw more public attention to where the law was and where the law is now. You know, it almost does seem like there needs to be not just a tragedy, but of someone, you know, well-known, unfortunately. You know, it has to be a, a public voice. That's how it was in France, too, when France got their law passed. You know, um, you know, someone important there passed away and, uh, you know, they came out with their law, which, um, you know, kind of went the same way as the one in Florida, actually. But um, Scott, but um, Paul uh, actually just um, agreed with us that we, you know, the, the conversation about the laws are important and uh, it needs to be ongoing. Do you ever see a federal law? You know, it, it was quite groundbreaking for, you know, the law to the VGB Act to, yeah. to pass because it wasn't like a natural space for, you know, the federal government to be involved in and clearly it was product specific for drain covers. Um, but it, it, it could be very difficult um, in this current environment for such a, a law to be passed at the, at the federal level. Um, I think it's, it's more likely for inroads to be made at the state and local level. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the state and local level is probably where it's going to be at. It'd be nice if there was some national guidance, we'll say, you know, offered sure. down to the state level. No, I think that that would probably be if I had a, a wish list. That'd probably be it. That the you know the federal government kind of gave a, a template um, to the states. You know, either based on the California law, or you know, hopefully not the Florida law anymore. Um, you know, but I think that would you know, you know that, that'd be nice. You know, but uh, but you're right. You know, I think it's unlike the automotive industry where you see you know national standards and they're applied. You know, it's probably always going to be at the state level, and. So now, the drowning numbers um, since Pool Safely started, have you seen any any impact? Yeah, and the, the new numbers came out just a few days ago. I, I hearken back a little bit to um, some announcements that came out from CPSC uh, back in 2016, 2017. So there was an 11% decline from when Pool Safely started um, to the, the last date at which uh, the data was had some level of confidence to be able to, to share and make assessments. You know, that is not just pool safely making a difference. That is the entire community. That's the NDPA community. That's Abby's Hope and the Zach Foundation um, and, and just tremendous people like Safer Three with Johnny Johnson 
and, and his work out there. There is so much great work that is happening at the local level, but now you have these partnerships with national organizations. You've got Connie Harvey and Bill O'Melia working together to bring Red Cross and Drennan's dreams together to really focus on lifeguarding. We take it for granted sometimes, but you know, Bill is crisscrossing the country, really teaching very sound principles to lifeguards to help them understand how important their purpose is to this larger movement. Um, so I, I think there's just tremendous momentum across the community. And um, I'm hopeful that, you know, in, in future years, we'll continue to see those numbers go down. Yeah. I mean, you you have worked with a, a, a legend list of people in the water safety community in your tenure there. Um, like you said, I mean, between Marsha Kerr and Nadina Rigsby, um, you know, all the people you just mentioned, you know, you've really had a, a phenomenal roster of people um, kind of with you on the journey. Absolutely. And I need to give you know some credit to the Olympians that have been part of this movement as well. Um, you know, I'm proud to say that, that Janet Evans was a mentor to me in terms of messaging, because Janet would say, me, as an Olympic gold medalist, I am not 100% drown proof. I'm not 100% water safe. S something can happen to anybody in the water. That's why you don't swim alone. That's why you learn these important parts of being safer, not safe, safer in the water. And, and then clearly people like Rowdy Gaines and Cullen Jones and Missy Franklin. Um, they've just done tremendous work. They're, they're sincere in their passion for water safety. Um, they have helped teach millions of kids how to swim. Um, the Make a Splash uh, program just hit the 6 million mark over 10 years of teaching kids basic water skills. Um, so we know, you know, in, in this culture, you do need influencers out there, including people like Michael Phelps, who through his foundation is doing tremendous work to keep teach kids through the IM program. And of course, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank, you know, Katie Ledecky and her family for the work they did with us around the Rio Olympic Games. We can talk more about that if you like. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, you know, when I saw Michael Phelps in front of a podium next to the Collingsworth family and, you know, I mean, what a massive moment for, for water safety, for pool safety in general. Um, you know, who, you know, who could have imagined when I first start, got started and it was kind of a, you know, the bastard stepchild of the industry, you know, that it would get to, to that level, you know, and I know um, his main competitor whose name is escaping me, um, help me, who's the other gold medalist, um, Michael Phelps. Uh, Ryan Lockie. Thank you so much. Um, I know he uh, did some stuff with the uh, Baby Otter Swim School, you know, exactly. you know getting involved. I mean, it, it is amazing. They've decided that this is, you know, a, a way for them to stay involved and to, to you know, promote water safety. It's, it's really, really cool. So yeah, please talk about the, the Rio Olympics and how we promoted water safety there. Yeah, that, that story really goes back to the London Games, um, and I'll never forget. So my, my good friend, um, he was my boss for a while, and now he's a commissioner at CPSC, Elliot Kay. He sent me a text message um, after London and said, we're going for Rio. We're going to go big for Rio, and we'll do whatever it takes. He made an effort a couple days before the Rio Games to reach out to NBC to see if they would put some water safety messaging on the air. They did a little bit through Cullen Jones. Um, but he really took it upon himself. He 
between the London games and the Rio games, he got elevated to become the chairman of the agency um, and, and helped us kind of build this coalition that involved Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the Collingsworths, USA Swimming Foundation with Debbie Hesse, and actually Nationwide Insurance joined us as well. And we were able to kind of, you know, really bang on that door and get a face-to-face -face meeting with the president of NBC Olympics, um, Gary Zenkel, and um, a, a tremendous guy who, who puts together an incredible show, you know, over those two weeks of the games. And it took a lot of work um, to be able to convince him to dedicate space that equaled millions of dollars for this, you know, national epidemic. And clearly it's a worldwide epidemic. And that was part of the case we made as well, considering, you know, the global aspect of the games. Um, and it, it took a lot of work, um, but really what it did is it came down to the athletes themselves. So, you know, USA Swimming Foundation has Missy Franklin as an ambassador, and they developed a public service announcement. And Katie Ledecky, we brought her back to her high school pool in Bethesda, Maryland, and NBC um, came out with their incredible crew. And we filmed an amazing uh, PSA with the current young kids at, at the school who are so enamored by, by Katie and they're inspired by her. And, and she did a tremendous job with her public service announcement. And we were able to get a, a little bit of airtime on NBC, a little bit more airtime on some of the cable channels, and a lot of airtime on uh, the Spanish networks that were covering the games as well. And um, it, it, was just, it was great. It was really great. And uh, we need to, to thank the Ledecky family for their involvement and their support. Um, and I think there's aspirations to try to go for Tokyo in 2020 and do something there as well. Um, but it was uh, a lot of work by, by Chairman Kay um, to be able to kind of, you know, keep the message for NBC, keep convincing them that their investment in us and what we were saying to them was going to be worthwhile. It was going to have purpose um, and, and really make a difference out in these communities. And I know, you know, when you're working on this kind of thing, how uh, how important that that little bit of airtime can be, you know, when you when you see your spot that you've worked for and then sometimes it doesn't go quite right and you you know, you feel dead inside, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's always amazing when you finally see it come to life and, you know, turn into what you thought it would. So I know we're out of time and I wanted to, you know, wrap it up for you, but before we go, um, you know, you're such a, a massive figure in this arena and, you know, such a, you know, an inspiration to a lot of people that, that work in it. Um, normally I would ask what, you know, I would end up asking what advice you could give to parents to keep their, you know, their home safer. And you can say that too, if you want, but I really wanted to ask you, um, you know, what advice can you give people working in water safety, trying to, to move the football down the field, you know, to, to keep going? What, what would you tell them if you could one thing um, to help them, you know, keep getting their message out there? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I realize having worked with many of them that um, resources can be scarce. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they need funds to keep what they're doing. They need resources and know that there are places they can go to to get free materials to bolster the work they're doing, whether it be water watcher cards or publications. Um, so from you know the Pool Safely campaign to the Red Cross, um, there's others out there that, that can help you know, supplement and bolster your efforts. But keep at it, build partnerships. Don't, don't feel like you should just go at it alone because you're in a small community or town. Um, find ways to, to connect 
with the national organizations out there because that's you know that's the thing that I was most proud of about Pool Safely. It gave a platform to these amazing people who had important voices that needed to be heard on a national level. Um, and, and so do great work locally, but don't be afraid to kind of get out there uh, on a larger stage and realize that you can learn lessons from others who've been there before. People have held those community events and can say what works and what doesn't. Um, and, and you know, finding ways to connect with, you know, whether, whether it be the media uh, or celebrities, it really all makes a difference. But what is so critically important is to have consistent messaging out there. Um, people need to be saying, keep kids safer in the water and not just make everybody safe in the water because it does make a difference. And it's important to say fatal and non-fatal drowning, not just near drowning because, you know, any drowning can, can have a lifetime effect. So it really is a non-fatal incident when somebody does survive. So all those little things make a difference to make sure everybody is, is on the same page to get to the same place. And that is to save a lot more lives this summer. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Um, the work you've done over your career has just been phenomenal. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming in and talking to people today. And you're doing fantastic work as well. Keep it up. Thanks, Scott. All right. Have a good one. Thanks.